guys, welcome back to BCM in the AM. My name is Kennedy Krueger, and we are starting a series on storytelling. Sitting in front of me is Laura Smith. Hi. Um, Laura is a freshman here at the BCM, and today she's just going to share a little bit about her story and what the Lord has done in her life and how she ended up at UT um, and all the good stuff. So we're just going to get right to it. So, yeah. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying the weird weather outside, I guess. It's mm-hmm. like rainy, but hot. Um, Very humid. Yep. It is. It is. Um, okay. So, I guess um, my first question for you is, is how did you end up at UT? Scholarships. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I applied to about five schools. Um, my heart was really set on Dartmouth. But um, the people that did accept me did not give me enough money to go. So UT it was. Okay, so just purely like you gave me scholarships, so I guess I'm going to go there. There was no like, woo, go balls. (laughs) No. (laughs) There was no great revelation or birth of school spirit, just an education I could afford, really. (laughs) Awesome. And what uh, degree are you pursuing? A major in chemistry and a minor in French. Okay. Do you have, like, any idea what you might want to do with that someday? I do. I really want to work in art conservation, ideally maybe abroad somewhere. That would be really cool. That's awesome. So um, you said that you ended up here based on scholarships. So that might be your answer to the second question, but I'm going to ask it just to kind of see if maybe there's a different one. Uh, What is one thing that God did to get you here? He closed every other door. Yeah. Um, I, as I said, I really had my heart set on going to Dartmouth. I really wanted to be on the varsity equestrian team there. Um, because it was varsity, that meant the university would have paid for it, so it would have been way more affordable way to uh, ride horses. I was really excited. I got to interview for them in Princeton as well. I was really excited. And then neither of them <laughs> accepted me. Um, so that was definitely a no. I was turned down from another school. I was accepted to NC State, but they didn't give me any scholarships. So this was the only open door for me to walk through. And, um, I mean, also my brothers are here too. So it makes a lot of sense for me to be here. It's very convenient. Um, yeah, this, this is the opportunity that he gave me, the single opportunity that he gave me. (laughs) So it was clear in your life that this is what the Lord wanted for you. No question. How has he continued to affirm that for you since you've been here? Part of it is that my attitude about UT has changed. I did not want to be here Mm -hmm. originally. As I said, my brothers are here, um, both of them. And so I really didn't want to be just going to the same school, which had now become the family school. I really didn't want to do that. And I had kind of a bad attitude about it. I mean, I knew I was going to be fine, but it just wasn't really what I wanted. Um, but I really like it here now. I'm very happy with where I am. Uh, the Lord has definitely changed my attitude about where he's placed me. But also, I think I've seen perhaps some of his design of why I'm here um, and that my spiritual life has grown so much since I've been here. Um, getting connected here at the BCM, being connected with the local church in a way that I really haven't been prior uh, to the fall semester and the start in August. Um that has really been a, a significant change in my life that came at a very important time um, when I was really wrestling with, you know, what I was going to do 
if I was really going to follow Christ and deciding that I really wanted to change, um, that I really wanted to surrender my life and all of it to the Lord. So it came a really pivotal moment that I came to this place where there was such a plethora of resources for me to grow spiritually, both in mentorship, discipleship, um, studying the word, um, all those really just, they've done a great work in my life. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned like surrendering your life to the Lord and surrendering to the call of following him. Um, so what was your salvation experience like? Do you mind sharing with us a little bit about like how you came to know the Lord and what that's been like, um, kind of since then? Mm -hmm. I have been raised in a family. Um, I've been raised Southern Baptist, went to church since I was, you know, in the bed babies in the nursery always gone to church. I was saved at a VBS when I was six. Um, prayed the little prayer with my Sunday school teacher. And I really do think that I was saved at that point. Um, you know, as, as much as any six-year-old can be saved. But after that point, my faith didn't really grow as I matured. And probably about sixth or seventh grade, that became really apparent in my life. I, um, I was also at a point in time where I wasn't really connected with the church. I, um, I didn't really have any friends in my youth group. And uh, just because of socially, I didn't feel like I was really welcome there all the time. That was just a really rough period in my spiritual life. And I was really straying for the Lord. Um, starting in probably the start of my junior year of high school, I, we changed churches, and that was probably a catalyst for you know, some of the greatest change of getting out of that kind of five-year period of where I was really far from the Lord. Um, there was not, I think, any fruit in my life. Um, and, and that point, I think, is really where I started to claim my faith as my own and not only something that was mine, but something I was willing to work for. Um, since then, uh, I think one of the greatest changes that affirms to me that I really am saved and that the Lord is working in my life is the way that I use my words. Um, before I really started following Christ, I was really harsh with my words, very sarcastic. I I viewed I viewed conversations that, as a competition often that I wanted to win, and I wasn't very careful about the way I spoke to people. Um, but now I, I see the power of that my words have in the lives of other and others and in my own life. So the Lord has really changed the way that I speak to other people and the way that I, I see conversations as an opportunity to bring people to Christ or push them away, mm -hmm. depending on how responsible I am with the opportunities the Lord has placed in front of me. Um, yeah, since then, um, I've just continued to grow in the Lord. Awesome. I think, that it's really cool that you mentioned um, the Lord showing you, like, the influence that your words have to either encourage someone or to discourage someone. A few weeks ago, I was reading in um, Romans 3, and there's a verse in there that talks about how... Um, I'm going to butcher this really bad, but basically, like, on our lips is the venom of asps and I was like oh like venom that's deadly I didn't like really care a whole much like a whole bunch about like what an asp was and I still don't know what that is it's a snake 
Oh, okay. Well, there we go. That's helpful. But I, I honed in on the word venom and the fact that that was on our lips. And um, I was like, venom is deadly. So in a sense, like my lips can be deadly. Like the things that I say can be deadly. And so as I was like looking more into that, um, I came across a verse in Proverbs. And I want to say it was Proverbs 18, but I could be totally wrong. Um And it says something to the effect of, like, your words have the opportunity to bring life or death. And I've just been thinking a lot about that. Like, we talk about how, like, it's not always what you say, but how you say it. But sometimes it is genuinely what we say Mm -hmm. that can bring life or death. And, like, out of the same mouth that we share the gospel with, oftentimes it's the same mouth that we gossip out of. And that's the same mouth that um, we are cruel with. And so that was just something a few weeks ago that the Lord was like, Kennedy, like we need to watch like what we say. Um, and we need to be aware of like how we say things and that not only like do you sit in a position of influence, like within the BCM and the local church and your family, but like you also like have an opportunity to encourage people with your mouth rather than discouraging them. And so I think that that's really cool that, the Lord is teaching you those things. And so I guess my question for you is when has been an opportunity that you've seen um, where the Lord has allowed you the chance to really bring life to someone through your words since showing you that? I think one, well, in general, I think um, showing me how important it is that I speak, you know, lovingly and with goodness and patience to other people, um, has also showed me the importance of making relationships with people that, um, that, that they just don't have anyone to talk to at that given moment in time, you know, like, um, at Soul Food or TNT, someone that doesn't look like they're really comfortable being able to bring comfort to them, knowing that there's someone here that wants them here, that's happy to see them here. I think I also really have a heart for that, given uh, the period of time in my life where I really didn't enjoy going to church because I felt like no one wanted me there. And so it's given me a sensitivity to see that in other people. It's a feeling that I know really well. So seeing that, it's you know always something that I really kind of have on my radar and you know the opportunity to speak life into those people's lives by encouraging them that the church is an entity and that Christians love them, they want them here, um, and that we're, we're happy to see them. Yeah. I love that. Do you have, um, like, a story you could share about one person that you've met and you've given them an opportunity to feel like they're home because of your presence, because you stepped out and you were like, uh, like, I want you here. Maybe you didn't say those words, but you were intentional with them and showed them that. Do you have a story that you could share with us about that? Uh, there's been lots of little things. One of them is when you texted me and I think Jordan and Cynthia, you're like, to introduce you to the art of personal invitations. I want you to invite, I don't know what the event was. Go invite someone personally to whatever event we were having that night. And so I texted a girl in my life group who, you know, she commutes, she's really busy, so I didn't know she'd be there, and I asked her, like, are you coming? Um, I think we're going out to dinner, maybe. And 
based on her response, she said yes, and she did come, but I don't think she was planning on coming before I asked her. And it, it was a really... It was a really incredible reminder that not only should I be reaching out to people that I don't know, but also further encouraging people that I am close with, Mm -hmm. you know, constantly bringing them back into the fold, even if they haven't strayed, just letting them know that I value them as a friend and as a fellow believer. Yeah, I think that that's really important. Um, The art of personal invitation, I just want to say those were not my words. Those were Sam Oz's words. I can pull up the text for you if you want. Oh, no. I remember sending the message because Sam helped me word the message um, because she she always talks about personal invitation and how it it means so much to someone. And I know how much it means to me um, when I'm considered and invited somewhere, um, whether like someone knows that I can attend or not beforehand, the fact that. Like, they went ahead and sent the invitation means a lot to me. Um, and so when Sam says, like, the art of personal invitation really matters, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it like, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think of, like, Christ invites us into a relationship with him, like a personal invitation into a relationship with him through his Holy Spirit. And so, like, we get to continue to do that. Um, and we get to continue to invite other people in to like our circle of friends and into our ministries and our churches and even extending an invitation to receive Christ. And so I think that that's really cool. Um, but there was something that you said that made me think of this. You said, not only am I supposed to be reaching out to like bring people in, but I'm supposed to be reaching in to make sure people understand that they're still wanted and still in the fold of Christ. And um, I was just thinking of how, one of Rodney's favorite things to do with our leadership team is have them stand in a circle. And he, he just says, stand in a circle. And everyone immediately stands in a circle and they all face inside. And he's like, I didn't, like, I didn't tell you to face inside, but out of habit, that's what we do. Um, and then he tells everyone to face outside. And so everyone turns and they all face outward. And he says, can you see what's happening on the inside of the circle? And everybody's like, no, because I'm face outward. And so then he tells them to stand um, with the other person in front of them so they can see the back of everybody's head, but they're still in a circle. And so it's kind of like they're straddling this line. Mm -hmm. And his purpose behind that is because you can still reach inside to your friends and to other followers of Christ. And so you still have that community and that connection, but your other hand is reaching outside to pull people in um, and to do outreach. And so... When you said that, that's what that reminded me of was that circle that Rodney likes to do with our leadership team Um, to just remind us that, like, we're supposed to reach inward, but we're also supposed to reach outward. Um, We're not meant to live this life apart from our community, but we're also not supposed to live this life with only our community, but we're supposed to continue to do outreach. Um, So I think that's really cool that that is... um, something that you've learned I guess recently because that was a pretty recent text yeah was that like late last fall early this spring something like that yeah yeah so that's really cool what has been one of the most I guess sanctifying is a good word or growing or challenging whichever word you want to put there um what has been the most sanctifying 
part of your relationship with the Lord. That's really just like, this is hard, but it's worth it. Does that make sense? Like consistently or recently? Um, either or. In your relationship with the Lord, like we talked about, like all the good things, like he has like loved me and he has saved me and he has brought me here. But what's like a hard thing about your relationship with the Lord that you're like, wow, this is really hard. But at the end of the day, it is so worth it to go through this. Let's see. A bad habit of mine that I am still working on is that I get really apathetic about being consistent in the word, mm-hmm. uh, being consistent in prayer and constantly pursuing Christ. Uh, it's, yeah, I think what I said earlier about, you know, deciding to give my life over to Christ and not only is this mine something I want and something I'm willing to work for, that work for part, mm-hmm. uh, the sort of maintenance of maintaining and also deepening my relationship with Christ is often one of the most challenging things. Like it's it's just the decision between whether I do or don't is a split second, but it's a split second that's just so important for the rest of my day and how the rest of my week and my outlook um, on the world around me uh, turns out. But it's designating time, not procrastinating my time, managing my time appropriately, uh, being a good steward of my time to continue to deep my relationship with Christ is probably one of the most consistently difficult things for me. Why is it worth it for you to, in that split second, say, I'm going to spend time in the word today. Why is that worth it for you? I feel like, you know, when your phone dies and it's like, man, I really need to do something important. And then like it finally recharges and you're like, oh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. I feel like, that, that's me. I feel like so recharged whenever I actually pray, when actually I read the Bible, because I realized how so, how impossible it is for me to be Christ in other people's lives if I'm not actually seeking out Christ myself. I lose patience. I lose peace. I My whole day just feels less satisfying. I, it's, I don't feel content in what I have unless I've spent time praying, unless I've spent time in the Word and actively seeking out God's presence, it it completely changes how joyful I am, how much peace I have throughout the day, and it enables me to then go out and be Christ in other people's lives, to demonstrate and bear fruit um, of the Spirit to other people, and you know that's what makes me feel like I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what I've been placed on this earth for, what Christ has called me to, and I feel satisfied. If you could leave, like, one word of encouragement for our listeners. (laughs) Oh, wow. Way to put the pressure on. One word. If you could leave one word of encouragement. It doesn't actually have to be, like, one literal word. But if you could leave a word for encouragement uh, for our listeners, what would that be? The Lord will always honor time that you spend with him. When you feel like you don't have the time to pray and to read the word, when you feel like you don't have time to reach out to someone or to share the gospel, you really do. You you have the time. You have everything you need. And your day, your life, and theirs will be better for it. The same way that reading the Bible never returns void, doing something for the Lord will never return void. That's awesome. I really like that. And I, I would agree with that. I think even on the days when we struggle to see like maybe why 
we do the things that we do, mm-hmm. we may never see the why. Like, we may never get that. Um, but it's important to know that, like, it's always worth it. I was um, having a conversation with someone just yesterday, and she and I were just really struggling with the situation that we're in. And um, she was like, I just don't want this to have been time wasted in my life. Like, I want to see the fruit from this, and I do not want it to be time wasted. And right now I feel like that's what it has been. And I was like, I don't think it is. Like, we may we may never see the fruit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, what matters is that we are obedient to the Lord. We are obedient to the calling in which he has given believers. Um, and we are faithful to do that. And then in the end, like, we don't have to get the reward. We don't have to see the fruit. But we continue to trust that he is at work in the midst of that and that he is at work in the lives that we are sharing the gospel with, that we are doing discipleship with, that we are investing in, that he's at work there. Um, and so I really like that you said that, that like, even if you don't see it, like he's still there mm-hmm. and it's not time wasted because it's really not like if you take every conversation that you have um, and every opportunity that you're given to work, as unto the Lord, it's not time wasted because like you do it with an eternal mindset. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I think that was really good encouragement. I like that. Thank you. Okay. Fun question. Um, <clears throat> if you were any type of cereal, what type of cereal would you be and why? Honey bunches of oats. Why? Don't give me that look. I love <laughs> honey bunches of oats. No, they're good. I didn't say that they weren't. Okay, so like, wait, are we talking like the plain honey bunches of oats? I or like the like, ones with almonds. Okay, Extra but like almonds. the flavorless ones or the vanilla ones or like do you put cinnamon and sugar in them? Like what kind? Okay, first of all, that you imply the regular ones are flavorless <laughs> is it shows that you lack taste in cereal for one thing. Okay. Um, they're great. Put a little honey on top if you're not satisfied with that. Okay. They're great. I love them. They are a classic. They fill you up. They are everything I aspire to be. Okay. So classic. Yes. Fulfilling. Fulfilling. Yes. I like that. And I also really like the lady on their commercials. You know? <laughs> no, I've not. I've not seen a Honey okay. Bunches of Oats commercial in so long. <laughs> if you ever see a commercial for Honey Bunches of Oats and there's like one of the workers with like little hairnet, like she looks like she just walked out of the factory for Honey Bunches of Oats. She's so sweet. I love her. She's so cheerful. <laughs> I love that woman. So... There's a lot to love about Honey Bunches of Oats. That is awesome. I actually think I have a box of Honey Bunches of Oats sitting in my apartment right now, but they're vanilla flavored. Mm. So I think they're good. They're they're good cereal. I just didn't expect you to say that. What kind of cereal do you think I am? I don't know. That's why I asked you. Because <laughs> I was thinking like what kind of cereal I would be. And my mind immediately goes to, like, the super unhealthy, sugary cereal that, like, kids love. <laughs> so that's Fruit what loops. I was thinking. Yes, for loops. <laughs> <laughs> that was That was the cereal that I would, that I was going to describe myself with, but now I feel really called out. <laughs> because I just think, like, I'm fun, 
and colorful, yeah. like, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, Fruit Loops are, too. Also, like, uh, some people disagree with this, but, like, I do not think that the color determines the taste. Like, the red ones, I don't Aren't think. are they all the same? Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. And, like, you get what you get with Fruit Loops and you don't throw a fit, and that's really <laughs> just how it is with me. Like, I'm fun and I'm colorful and I'm exciting, but at the end of the day... You get what you get, and you just don't throw a fit. Like Fruit Loops out of the metaphor for life, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, there you go. <laughs> they did put my picture next to it in the dictionary. You can be next to Honey Bunches of Oats. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's fun. Awesome. Well, Laura, do you have any like closing remarks? Anything else you want to share with our listeners? How often do you have Fruit Loops? Really not that often. I have mini wheats a lot. Mini wheats? I love mini wheats. They're objectively the worst cereal. (laughs) The frosted mini wheats? The frosting is the only good part. They're too hard to eat when you start, and then they're soggy at the end. I love frosted mini wheats. I love them. I went home this weekend, and my mom was like, is there anything you need from the grocery store? And I was like, not a mini wheats. And she came in with, like, the jumbo box. Mini wings. I wish I could show you guys what those look like because it's a big box, like it's bigger than the family size pack. I'll never eat them all. Well, I might, they might be stale by the end, but yeah, no, it would make them much worse than they already are. Yeah, they would not be good. I've had stale frosted mini wings, and they're just no bueno, <laughs> but yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. Thank I you appreciate for um, you sharing your story and talking about the Lord with us. And I really hope that this is uh, beneficial for our listeners. So oh. thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us. Um, thank you for hanging out with us today. And I really hope and pray that the conversation that was had today is beneficial for your life and that it inc- it encourages you guys um to share your story and look back and see um the lord's hand in moments in your life uh just like we got the opportunity to do with with, to do today with laura and also i'll leave you with this thought ask yourself what kind of cereal you would be because i think that's a fun question to ask so we'll see you guys next time